Welcome to the Rest On Mission podcast, a sacred space to explore and reflect on how to find balance in an unbalanced world. You'll hear practical strategies, funny anecdotes, and inspiring testimonies of how to build a sustainable and missional life. Thank you for tuning in. Well, welcome to the Rest On Mission podcast. My name is Josh Wisebro, the pastor of Banner Church, and I'm excited to have you guys with us here today in our second episode talking about rest and I wanted to share a little bit of a sermon that I had done and uh, I I thought it was a good sermon at the end of the sermon I realized that it hadn't been recorded if um, you don't know much about Banner Church or you're new to Banner Church we are a portable church and so sometimes that's just what happens you get to the end of your end of your sermon and someone says hey we didn't have internet today um but I wanted to take some time and also add some new things that even if you've heard that sermon or you're part of that, that you might not have gotten and just spend a couple of moments talking about rest. I think historically in my life, I've had a really poor understanding of what rest should be. I think if you had asked me when I was, I don't know, 17 or 16, I think I would have said resting was napping or resting was sitting around and not doing anything. Uh, And that's just not who I was as a person. I don't think I was really good at being idle. I'll I'll give you an example. I still don't think I'm good at this. For for my birthday, my wife asked me, what do you want to do for your birthday? And I said, well, I just want to take it easy. I just want to chill out. And I think now I understand after the fact what she thought chilling out meant. Here's what chilling out meant for me is that I had recently picked up 200 to 800. I don't know how many bricks I actually have. Picked up all these bricks and I had brought them to my house and I had been waiting to build like this brick grill uh, at my house. So it's July in the summer here in Arizona. And so for my restful activity, what I chose to do is to basically build a grill in 110 degree heat and I had a I'd set up like two umbrellas so I had this multi-shade apparatus and had somehow roped in my father to come help me and in my mind this was like the activity that I had somehow in my crazy brain deemed a restful activity and so after four hours or something of building this thing out of brick and mortar my wife is like do you feel rested and uh, I, to be honest, I don't know. I was like, well, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I feel accomplished. And I think a lot of my life has been trying to understand how to accomplish what I really want to accomplish and also learning when to take a break. And so if I'm being totally honest, everything about the Rest on Mission podcast are things that I'm learning. I don't know if there's a single thing that we'd cover that I would consider myself an expert on, uh, but it's all stuff that I'm learning because I, I don't know if I have a great understanding of rest or historically have it. So I went on this journey of really learning what rest is. And I noticed in, in my journey and continued journey that our culture, at least here in Western America, doesn't really understand rest. Like we have a lot of different definitions of rest, but they rarely make sense together. And if we have a definition of rest, we rarely uphold them. Uh, and, and so I think culturally even we approach rest with a lot of hypocrisy maybe like the greatest amount of hypocrisy possible and i think we all know that that something's wrong i guess i would say i'll say we all know that something's wrong and i'd phrase it like this think of the last person that you talked to 
almost every conversation circles around or is about this idea of being busy. And when you have a conversation there, everyone says like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And there's never really a comparison of like busier than what, maybe busier than I was as a kid or something. Uh, and, and I always wonder like, are we just getting more and more busy or are we just getting less and less balanced? Like maybe we're not working more. We're just resting worse. We're less organized. We have less boundaries. And in that looking around and trying to understand being busy and being restful, it's just kind of come to my conclusion that everyone's busy or everyone knows that someone, someone that's busy and everyone knows we should be resting and we might even post about rest or even like follow accounts. Like you might even follow this account about rest and about mission and be like, yes, I know it's important, but no one is actually resting. It was interesting. I was reading in a Harvard business review I was reading that more than ever, modern business culture is confused about busyness. Um, Every organization that they interviewed said that a work-life balance is crucial, yet every organization also confessed at the same time in the same study that they struggled to live in that life. They talked about having emails at odd hours, about work spilling into nights and weekends, vacations, about people uh, getting burned out. And the wild thing about it is it's not like that was a stage of their careers when they interviewed these companies. It was, you know, it wasn't just reserved for the, the, let's say, the lower levels of the business where people are just trying to pay their dues to make their way up. In fact, the higher that people got up in the companies that were being interviewed, the worse that it got. The people who were like putting on these conferences and gatherings and whatever kind of, you know, corporate work speak were the ones who were the worst about actually having anything that resembled a work-life balance. And in fact, it was almost more celebrated to be busy and chaotic and crazy the higher that you go up the ladder. Again, I'm, I'm just reading the study, but I think most of us would just nod our heads and say, yeah, of course, like we've seen that so many times. And so culturally, I think We've developed all these ways to deal with a lack of rest in our life. Like one of the big ones that I get to is this idea of work for the weekend, right? Everybody's working for the weekend, classic song, right? But that's very much a mantra. It's like be absolutely miserable Monday through Friday and then try your best to forget how miserable you were on the weekdays by living a life fully unleashed into the totality of your flesh on Saturday and Sunday, which sounds maybe cool in your 20s, but every year you get out of your 20s feels infinitely and infinitely less cool. Like, anyway, that's a totally different podcast, but this idea of working for the week doesn't solve it. Even lavish vacations, like people are flying all over all the time. It's like, how much credit card debt does it take to make us rest? We don't know. We haven't found that limit. Chase will give you an unlimited amount of credit card debt to find out if you know how to rest. And there's all these different things. People are like, well, I got to move from here and I got to go there and I got to be here. And in this city, you can rest. And it's like, I don't think it's a city thing. I don't think it's a job thing. They can play a, a, a part of it. But there's an unsettled nature, I think. You know, Wendell Berry talks about the unsettling of America. There's an unsettled nature, I think, to the way that we're living that we weren't really created for. We weren't created to live burned out. I mean, we're created to, to really do some incredible things, and human beings were given an incredible ability, but we were actually created to rest. 
I want to read a scripture here from Matthew eleven twenty eight, And it says this. I read this in our first podcast. And I want to come back to it. It says, come to me, all who are all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Jesus talking. I, I love that Jesus promises us rest when we come to him. And I, I think that it's important if Jesus promises us rest to look and to look at and to look after what he promises us because the world is uh, not doing a good job and I really believe there's something special in our life that is unlocked when we begin to understand and to practice true rest so I want to look at this what is biblical rest what is biblical rest the the source of our doctrine of Christian rest right the source of what everything we build here is the rest of God. In Genesis, in the beginning, God creates the universe. He speaks the universe into existence, and then immediately, immediately he rests. Genesis 2.2, it says, And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Well, why did God rest? Did God need rest? Like he was just burnt out with the whole thing. No, he rested to recognize and to dwell in the glory of his creation. I, I think about it like this. Lately, my daughter has been really into baking. Uh, my wife has actually told her to pause for three days on baking because we ran out of brown sugar. And I, and I think that that is an indicator. I mean, running out of flour means you bake a decent amount. Running out of brown sugar, I mean, that's the stuff that crystallized into a brick in my home. Uh, and I come from a family of bakers, but uh, we were running out of everything. So my wife said, listen, Lucy, you need to slow down. But when Lucy makes and, sh- and she bakes things, she bakes at this amazing uh, pace that I have never witnessed someone bake. When you watch a cooking show, Everyone, they have their mise en place and they have all their things and they're very organized and they're doing their task and they're very focused about I don't want to mess up and I don't want to fail. Lucy does not bake like that at all. Lucy begins baking and then she'll do like a dance break and she'll do some ballet work because she's a dancer and then she'll come back and she'll keep mixing and then she'll take another break and she'll put on some music and then she'll do an outfit change and then she'll come back and she'll prep the dough and she'll put it in the oven and some more dancing and cartwheels she just does this I, I mean it's amazing how and everything she makes turns out amazing but the process as somebody who's kind of detail-minded is borderline infuriating but it's amazing because she is eight, almost nine, and she loves it. But when she's done, it's my favorite thing because she steps back. She, like, puts all the cookies out onto the counter or whatever she's working on, Oreo cake or whatever it is. And she steps back, and she usually goes, those are some good cookies. She's, like, reveling in this work that she's done. She's reveling in her creation, which uh, was a peanut butter, flourless chocolate cake yesterday. You know, she's just reveling in whatever it is. And I love this because I think this is in many ways the way God, obviously in a profoundly more infinite sense. So if you're one of those people that extrapolates metaphors to their worst end, then you're going to miss it. But in, in, in a finite sense, God, God will on an infinite level step back at creation 
and looks at all of his creation and rests in it in the glory of what he made and is like really, really pleased. And so it's when, when the Bible, even at the beginning, defines rest, it's not necessarily focusing on purely just a lack of activity or a lack of movements but as there's a glory there's a recognition of god's glory that's occurring uh philip hughes had this quote he said rest is not synonymous with inactivity what god rested from was the work of creation he continues constantly to be active however in providentially sustaining all that he has created and in the work both of righteous judgment and gracious salvation So God's model is that he ceased work to reflect on his creation. And so our model then is that we're ceasing toil to reflect on the creator. And so from the beginning, God models rest in scripture for us. And then he gives it to us, which is pretty cool because by modeling it and putting it into creation, he is then instilling this aspect in creation and then gives it to uh, you and I as created beings because rest is really a gift from God. I mean, I think that's key. To, to begin understanding rest, you have to begin to understand that it's a gift from God, that God loves his creation, which is you, which is me, that he gave us rest as a blessing and that in the beginning, we were created to rest. Even in our state of work, right, Adam, we work the garden. We were created for rest. And it was really sin. We talked about this briefly in the, the first episode. You can go back and listen to the intro. That sin brought about suffering and toil. That, that this restlessness is not what we were created for. That rest was an impor- so important that God actually really made it an ordinance of creation. Uh, The word in in Hebrew, one of the words for rest in Hebrew is the word we get for Sabbath. And I I really like this idea of Sabbath, right, that God instills as an ordinance of creation for his people. The the Hebrew idea of Sabbath is that God recognizes and understands, because he knows everything, right, that sin has come into the world. So that means now, rather than his people resting and working with him in his presence, it means they're going to be inclined, obviously, to toil and to work. They're going to be inclined to focus on the temporal things of the earth. But God really desires and longed, even from the beginning, to restore you and I to our intended rest, to the things of glory, to the things of eternity. So God says, okay, I will teach you to rest, to Sabbath, to stop toiling and to focus your worship. So God instills this idea for the, for the Hebrews and, and, and with his people that the Sabbath, the day of the week, that all toil and work would stop and that they would begin to reflect on God. Right? It was a model of, of a perfect rest in an imperfect world, right? That they would stop, that they would, like God, did observe uh, God's work and, and, of course, his glory, and that they would glorify and they would worship him. They would cease their work to worship God in a very specific point of time. And in the New Testament, Hebrews 11 kind of gives us this insight about what God was doing and about what Israel was doing. Because Israel has this model of past, present, and future rest built into it in the Old Testament. And so Hebrews 11 in the New Testament starts talking about it. It says, well, in the past, they had the foundation of rest that was in creation. In the present, they had the practice or the commandment of regular rest, which was the Sabbath. 
And then in the future, they had the hope of rest that's to finally come through the Messiah and the coming of the kingdom of God. So they had past, present, and future rest that God gave to his people. And, I mean, this goes all the way back to Abraham. I mean, Hebrews eleven sixteen tells us that Abraham was commended because in faith he was expecting a better country, a heavenly country, right, an, an eternal rest that, that had not been achieved yet. And so more than a day, more than a promised land, the true uh, fulfillment of rest was always a desire of God for his people. So he gave it to his people as an ordinance of creation that they had it in the past, in, in creation, in the present, in, in a commandment of Sabbath, and they had it in the future in a hope of final rest in the Messiah. And so when Jesus comes as the Messiah, Jesus came to be rest for us. Right? Jesus died on the cross and defeated sin, not only so that we would have rest, but that he would literally be our rest. That sin separated us from rest. Jesus came to earth. Jesus bore our sins on the cross. He took our punishment on himself, and he rose us again, rose again and invites us into his resurrection, not just so that he can give us rest, but so that he is literally the rest that he is giving us. But let me read Matthew eleven twenty eight again. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that he says, come to me and you'll find rest. He's not uh, just firing rest at us like a t-shirt cannon to an overzealous crowd. right? He's, he is calling us into his rest to live and to dwell and to be. So he says, I've come to, to give you rest, to invite you out of this toil and this labor, to be yoked with me for an incredible purpose. And so Jesus is our rest in two distinct ways. He's the fulfillment of our rest, and he's the model of our rest, two distinct ways. He's the fulfillment of our rest for now and eternity. So the work of Jesus on the cross means rest and freedom from all sin. And so he invites us into rest now, rest because of the cross, rest from sin. And, and this rest is amazing, but this fulfillment of rest is just a, f- a foretaste of the eternal rest, right? Jesus' work on the cross is going to be fulfilled when he comes again to earth, right? He, he fulfilled the law, right? He, he dies for us, but we still live in a broken world. And we know that when the kingdom comes, we know that in heaven, right, there's no suffering, there's no pain, all of these things. And so when Jesus comes again in the second coming, his kingdom is here on earth, which means rest and freedom from all sorrow, all pain, all suffering, all persecution, all frustration, all injustice and death when his kingdom comes. So someday in eternity or the second coming, depending on whatever you and I get to first, uh, we will receive complete rest. We know it in part in this walk with Christ, but we'll receive it in full. So the the first part is his fulfillment. The second part is that Jesus is the model of rest. So while we wait for complete rest, we have the model of rest here on earth, and that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus had, this is what I find amazing about Jesus, is Jesus had this very clear mission and purpose, right? He healed healed the sick. He sought out the lost. He preached the kingdom. Uh, But within this profound purpose, right? He spent time resting, 
right? Scripture intentionally shows us over and over again that the guy who probably had uh, the biggest out to say, you know what, I'm just too busy right now, that guy chose to spend intentional time resting and praying with God. Mark 6.30 says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him about all they had done and taught. And Jesus said, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. He says, Listen, I know I love that you guys did some great stuff. Now come away and get some rest so that we can make this a long-term thing, not a short-term thing. Luke 5.16, it says, Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So we were created for rest. Jesus restored us to rest in him. So the question is then, how do we rest? All right, how do we rest? Let me give you a couple things here really quick. The first thing is we have to set healthy boundaries. How do we rest? Very first thing, number one, we set healthy boundaries. As believers, we have to recognize that we do not live in a world that prioritizes good rest. It prioritizes working for the weekend. It prioritizes uh, bailing when things get tough or you know, moving on to something better. It does not prioritize rest, and it certainly does not prioritize boundaries. Uh, but Jesus did prioritize boundaries, which is amazing. You'd think you'd read... Uh, the, the scripture and think, man, there are so many broken people and Jesus here on earth. There must, he, you know, it was probably just never rested, never took time, never told somebody no. And yet that's not what we see at all. Mark one thirty five says, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. That's real early. That's like, that's how early I'm getting up with tiny baby life. Uh, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. So an empty place, a, a place alone. And there he prayed. He took time and silence and stillness. So Jesus had so many demands on his life. I can't even imagine, right? Like, I can't imagine telling Jesus I'm busy based on all the things and all the weight that he carried. He's like, oh, you know, I'm going to, like, you know, die for your sins, right? Uh, I can't even imagine. And yet Jesus set boundaries. He went away by himself to pray. There's a moment in Mark uh, 3.31 where Jesus' family comes knocking and he's doing ministry. They're like, listen, man, like, we want to talk to you. You know, we're your family. Like, I'm your mom. I mean, it's, that's a big deal. Uh, and he says, oh, I'm busy. Like, I'm with my family. These people are my family. Like, I got things to do. Here, here's what I want to say. I'm not saying, be, you know, tell your mom no all the time. I don't want a bunch of mom comments in our uh, show notes to pop up all the time. We want good reviews. It's only the second episode. Tell your mom I said hi. Uh, but if Jesus had boundaries... You should have boundaries. Do you have boundaries at work? Do you have boundaries on technology? Do you have boundaries on technology for your kids? Do you have boundaries in uh, when you can be accessible or inaccessible? Do you have boundaries on your time? Do you have boundaries on your finances, right? Do you have boundaries? If Jesus had boundaries, I really want to encourage you you need boundaries, and it's better to set boundaries before you need them than after you wished you had them. Do you feel like you have healthy boundaries, or do you live in a fight-or-flight mentality constantly? Do you feel like you have to escape your life in order to rest? You might need boundaries. If you feel like you have to abandon good things like church or friends— then you might need some boundaries. We need to set boundaries in order to rest. 
Okay, second thing, prioritize Sabbath. People say, well, Jesus, you know, usually when I talk about Sabbath, people say, well, Jesus fulfilled Sabbath, so there's no Sabbath now. And usually the reason they say that is because they stink at resting and they want to justify what is basically a hidden works-based faith. And so they're like, well, Jesus fulfilled rest. So, uh, you know, usually they're talking like an intern. They're like, Jesus fulfilled rest, so you need to be here on a night you should be resting. Something, you know, I'm not, you know, not talking from personal experience. Nobody looked that up. But Jesus, it's true in part, Jesus has become our rest. Like I said, Jesus has become our rest. And Colossians 2.16, very often quoted about this, says in, uh, he says, uh, let me read it here. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or to a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So people will say, well, Jesus became the substance of what the Sabbath aimed to teach, which is rest. And that is true. Jesus did fulfill what the law came to teach. Yet we also understand that what Jesus did on the cross was part of the work that is completely fulfilled on his second coming. Right, so Jesus, uh, he 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 heals us, he restores us, he calls us into salvation, into new life. Right, we're we're given, you know, the Holy Spirit. I'm very thankful for the Holy Spirit. Right, to live with the Holy Spirit. But I also understand that we are only seeing a part of what will fully come to pass when Christ returns. Right, that's why in First Corinthians 13 it talks about, for we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes meaning the heaven on earth, the kingdom of God comes, the partial will pass away. And I know this is a random thought. You might not even have thought about this, but this is important because I don't want us to lose track of this idea of Sabbath. I honestly think it matters because though the Sabbath is fulfilled in Christ, we still need rest and good ideas are still good ideas. And so when we reflect on God's created intent and order for us, which was to rest, which he rested, right? It doesn't wipe away what happened in creation because we're restored into salvation, right? When we reflect on creation, reflect on rest, we discover that it is actually really, really, really good for us to take time to unplug from the world around us and to rest and to worship God and to celebrate him. And maybe for you that's Sunday. You know, I know it's not the traditional Sabbath, you know, Saturday day, but Christians have celebrated on Sunday for, you know, millennia because that's the day, you know, Christ rose. It was the day that, you know, often people would have time. But any day can really be a Sabbath. What what matters is that we stop, that we rest, that we remember that we are not God, that we remember that he is actually God. It's human nature to think we are God, to think the world will fall apart. If I don't rest, but the reality is when we rest, the world does not end. And some of us, it would be good for us to discover that, that when I take four hours on a Saturday afternoon, the world does not fall apart. There's nothing that happened on Instagram that needed my attention for four hours. Like I didn't need to look. It's going to be okay. Like as a family, Right? I've been thinking about this for my family. Like We have to take time together to rest, to focus on God. As a father, I want to show my kids, take time to rest and to glory in God. So uh, prioritize Sabbath. Third thing is that we need to cultivate 
daily rhythms of renewal. So there were three things. This is the third thing, right? The first thing was that we need to set healthy boundaries. The second thing is we prioritize Sabbath. And finally, the third thing is that we cultivate daily rhythms of renewal. When Jesus uh, teaches his disciples to pray, he says in Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. That means he taught them to pray daily, right? He, he gives them a model of prayer, right? And in the model that he's giving them, the word is give us today, this day, our daily bread, which means every day they are taught to be praying so that they're not eating stale bread of the spirit, so to speak. But this is important because when we cultivate a life of daily communion with God, it establishes healthy rhythms of rest in our life. Um, we, uh, we recently had our, our third kid, and we you know, were surprised, and it's been just a fun journey of discovering what it's like to, uh, I don't know, it just feels so different now that I'm 36 with a baby versus when I was 26 with a baby or 28, whatever I was. I'm sure Katie will comment and correct whatever, however old I was when Lucy was born. Let's see, she's eight, tw- 28, there we go. Uh, but it's so different. And one of the things I've noticed is when I was 28, I could really handle not sleeping. I was playing at venues uh, really late at night and you know playing shows. It was like no big deal. I could play a show till one o'clock in the morning, wake up at six the next day, lead worship at church, not... Uh, not, not worry about it. Now at 36, if I don't get a certain amount of sleep, I'm pretty confident I'm dying when I wake up in the morning. Like I didn't sleep well last night, woke up 90% sure I wasn't alive this morning. Uh, and what I've noticed is there's a secondary thing that occurs that not only do I feel like not enough coffee in the world will redeem the day, is that if I don't sleep well, I have really bad rhythms uh, in my day. And so it leads to bad health. It leads to maybe slow mental processing. It leads to me getting upset easy. And in the same way, when, when my spiritual life is out of whack or doesn't have good, healthy daily rhythms, I find that it affects every other part of my life. In fact, if I'm not spending time, if I'm not cultivating daily rhythms with God, I find that even just physically, mentally, because it's all linked within me, that I get discouraged easier, that I get frustrated, that traffic somehow seems worse. I don't know what it is. Like when you don't spend time praying with God in the morning, traffic always feels worse. But I've learned that I need to be highly intentional about cultivating daily rhythms in my life that lead me towards resting in God. So, for example, praying at any moment. Uh, You know, people say, I wasn't able to pray today. It's like, you can pray any moment. You can pray right now. You can pause this thing right now, and you can pray. 10 seconds, like 10 seconds with God is better than no seconds, right? Pray at any moment. I'm spending time in God's word. Man, I I know there's so many great resources. There's so many great books out there. I'm trying to write a book right now. I, I get it. Like, there's so many great resources of people who are passionate about the word of God. But, man, the word of God is so good. Like just spending even five minutes on one scripture. It's not about covering ground. It's just about investing into your own heart and putting in daily rhythms. Um, Calling up a friend to pray. This is a daily rhythm that I've been exploring. Is just calling up a friend or praying with your spouse or praying with your kids. I started like praying real prayers with my kids versus like, dear Lord, help Henry sleep all night. 
quietly. Amen. Right? Like we pray like real prayers now. Um, the other one is being silent for five minutes. This is a practice if you want to cultivate a rhythm of rest I think is big is just be quiet for a designated period of time. I one time went away for a 24-hour retreat that was entirely silent and it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had uh, because it just allowed my brain to catch up and it was profound. So, you know, silent for five minutes. The other one in cultivating a daily rhythm of renewal, I would say, is give your phone or your TV a curfew, right? If you feel like you've been putting your brain on a treadmill and then trying to put it straight to sleep, that's not a good daily uh, rhythm of rest. I would say give your phone a curfew. You don't need to be on your phone after eight. I don't know. Pick a time, right? I'm, that's up to you. But these are important because we want to cultivate a daily sense of resting in God. It's not just a once a week or once a month or once a year vacation Sabbath. It's not just doing these, these boundaries that lock everything out of our life. It's about how are we going to live life, the life that we're called to live, but also rests. And I think that's because, I, and I want to encourage you if you're like, that's a lot. I don't know if I can do that. I want to encourage you that at the end of the day, uh, you you can't maintain a non-restful life and still be healthy. And so it's important to stop and to evaluate, am I resting? Not evaluate like beat yourself up if you're one of those people that's really hard on yourself. It's not evaluate like I'm the worst, I don't rest. It's evaluating, am I doing what is really good for me and what I was created to do? Because I don't want you to miss something important. And here's what's so important about rest is that rest restores our souls. That Jesus is, was, will always be all about restoration. He's the good shepherd that came here for us, the lost sheep. And he came to bring us into rest. Right? That's why even Psalm 23, the psalmist famously says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down, right? Lie down to rest, to be still in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I love that. He restores my soul. Rest brings healing. Rest brings restoration, right? It's in the word restoration, right? When we prioritize it, when we cultivate rhythms of rest, it blesses us and actually draws us nearer to God. Let me go back and read Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Now that we've kind of developed an understanding of rest, what God has created, what Jesus has done, and how we can maybe um, participate in the cultivation of that rest. Let me read you Matthew eleven twenty eight again. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me, let me close with this. Think as closing out this podcast, what guidelines for rest can you put into your life right now? What guidelines can you put into your life? Maybe it's time to set healthy boundaries. Maybe today you need to begin prioritizing a Sabbath-like rest moment or time in your life. And maybe today it's the perfect time to start cultivating daily rhythms of renewal. It's not a one-time fix deal. It's really a lifetime journey towards spiritual health. But I want to encourage you, what can you do to respond in rest today? 
I want to say thank you uh, for joining me and listening uh, to the Rest on Mission podcast today. And I really want to encourage you that even the smallest step is the perfect place to begin. Thanks for listening to Rest on Mission. Rest on Mission is presented by Banner Church. Our host is Pastor Joshua Weisbrook. Our producer is Megan Fry. Make sure to subscribe and follow us online so you never miss an episode. For more information about today's episode, check out the show notes.